Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Kewl Show. I am your host today, the insider to the insiders, Tyler Kewl. And folks, we have a very special episode of TKS here for you on this Thursday night. Why is it so special? Well, you know, we're not going to be talking about the NHL tonight. We're not going to talk about the games that are going on or who is getting traded or whatnot. No, we're going to leave that for Monday's show. That's what that is for. Tonight, we're going to talk about a very unique story that happened this past weekend. Now, for some of you that watched this past Monday's show, you remember a part of our college hockey scoreboard that I have talked about a matchup between the Long Island Sharks and the Army West Point Black Knights. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Tyler, what's so special about those two teams? Yes, you're right. It is the first-year Sharks program looking very competitive on the ice, taking on, for the first time ever, a long and storied tradition and program up at West Point with the Black Knights. And yes, they were two really good games. Of course, on Friday night, we'd be remiss to not talk about Mason Kruger scoring a hat-trick, his first-ever hat-trick as a Black Knight in the 5-2 win for Army. And then on Saturday, Long Island picks up their third win of the season as well. Jordan DeSico and an overtime game winner. And Vinny Perpera in net for Long Island plays well and gets his first collegiate win. That's awesome, Tyler. But that's still, you know, it's a great game. It was a great atmosphere between the two teams. Might not have any fans. But what makes it so special? It's because not what was going on the ice that made this such a unique story. It's what was going on behind the benches. Because on one bench... You had, in his 17th season behind the bench for the Black Knights, Brian Riley. And on the Long Island bench, you had Brett Riley. The first-year head coach is the nephew of Brian Riley. Now, yes, it is awesome because you have family members going at it, and that's always great. We've seen it all the time and across the hockey landscape. The Sutter brothers back in the day, the Stalls, the Kachucks, even the Miller family for all of you Michigan State fans out there. So what makes it so unique and special? Not just because you have the Riley versus Riley. It's because this is a family tradition and long lineage of coaches that makes it so special that finally you have two head coaches from the same family going up against each other. Because if you all know the story, Brian's dad and Brett's grandfather, Jack Riley, was the head coach of Army West Point for over 30 years, almost 40 years and was also the head coach of the 1960 U.S. Olympic team that won the Olympic gold in Squad Valley. And then after he hung up his whistle, his son Rob, Brian's brother, Brett's father, took over the job as well. Heck, even Brian was Rob's assistant for a good number of years, 14 if I'm not mistaken. And that is what carries into today. Brett begets his first job after coaching Colgate last year with assistant coaching Colgate. And now he was able to go up against his uncle in a very, very unique weekend. I was able to sit down with both coaches, and we'll first hear from the head coach of the Army West Point Black Knights, Brian Riley. Brian, you know, I I like, I mean, the whole story obviously is with you and your nephew, Brett, which we'll get to here in a second. But I really wanted to, you know, do this piece and do this kind of feature because I like to talk about Atlantic hockey a little bit more. You know, we talked with Stephen Babarakis from the assistant commissioner of the ECAC a couple weeks back on our show. And, you know, I write for the hockey writers and a lot of people like to focus on the Big Ten, the NCHC Hockey East. Atlantic hockey kind of gets overlooked at times. And I'll be honest with you, just by, you know, doing more research into it and looking back more on its history. There is a reason why, Brian, people should look at your conference a little bit more. Absolutely, Tyler. And I think you started how this uh, Atlantic hockey has done. Uh, in the NCAA regional every year, like we're 
put up against a number one seed or a number two seed, and we've knocked them off. So um, the league has really grown. I think this is year 17 or 18. Um, it, it, it's grown in every facet, starting with the players, the talent pool. Um, the coaches have done a great job, facilities now. So uh, definitely, um, like I said, the league has, has grown in leaps and bounds. And, and now when teams from other conferences play us, uh, they know that they're going to be in for a battle. Yeah, because, of course, you I mean, you talk about teams that did well in the regionals. AIC knocking off St. Cloud State. That was a pretty big game a couple of years ago now. And, you know, that kind of carries into this past weekend because you actually beat AIC. You go up against Long Island University. And before we get to the guy that's behind the bench over there, tell us, you know, your take on when you heard that Long Island was going to get a hockey team. I mean, they had a women's team the year before. That was their first season. But then they were going to try to build a men's hockey program and I think it was a six-month span during a pandemic. What was your reaction when you heard the Sharks were coming around to play D1 hockey? Well, Tyler, just like you said, um, during a pandemic, um, I, I, like, I think when it came out, everybody in the college hockey world was like, how are they going to do this? You know, I, I, I wasn't sure. Um, and obviously, I think it was great, you know, to have another college hockey team, to have a college hockey team um in long island which which produces so many uh outstanding college hockey players uh but not gonna lie what, what was a little surprised and wasn't sure how they were gonna pull it off but i'll, I'll be honest with you i i because we actually had talked to brett riley um a few months ago actually during while he's still trying to recruit did you know he was going after the job? Did he kind of tell you, hey, Uncle Brian, I'm going to go for this job out in Long Island. What do you think? Because he remember he spent the last couple, last season with Colgate yeah. as an assistant coach with Don Vaughn. You know, did you know that he was going for the job? Oh, yeah. You know what? When, 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 once it was announced and, you know, there, there were rumors of names or whatever, but I spoke with Brett and uh, I knew that he was all in. And when you're looking for somebody to build a program, um, even though it was at the D3 level, he had the blueprint. Um, so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people might have got scared off maybe because of the timing of it. And but but Brett was all in from the get go. So um, I knew if he was given the opportunity that he would be uh, one guy could get that that could get the program up and running uh, really fast. Yeah, he talked about his time at D3. That was at Wilkes University where the team actually did pretty good in his one season yeah. there. I mean, what makes Brett, because like I said, we talked to him, and I could tell by just you know, just yeah. a few months ago how driven he was and the type of guy that he was in. Like, this, like, you could tell by, just by simply, we talked to him for maybe 20 minutes. In that 20 minutes, I could tell this is the guy you want trying to develop a program in given the circumstances. From, you know, just watching him grow up, you know, your your brother was his dad, Rob Riley, the longtime coach there at Army as well before you. How could you have told that Brett was going to be a good coach or at least, you know, be able to build a program here at the Division One level as he kind of went up through the ranks? Well, you know what, Tyler? Like, you just used the word driven. Um, he is driven. Um, I also ha have, obviously, he has a lot of his dad's traits, my dad's traits, his grandfather's traits when, when, when it comes to hockey. Uh, unbelievable recruiter. Um, knows 
and and if you want to have a good team, you got to have good players. So you know what? Um, I think the recruiting piece is uh, something that. Um, sets him apart from a lot of coaches in Division One hockey, and, and um, but he's always been around the rink. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of not kind of. It's in his blood. It's in his DNA. And so, uh, again, for for me, uh, I also have two boys that are in coaching now. It, it's just something that these kids have been around. Uh, the Army hockey program all their life as as kids, and and they've been able to pick up bits and pieces from from dads, from uncles, from from grandfathers. So, but I really think his ability to recruit, identify talent, and uh, you know what, roll up his sleeves and and not be afraid to go after guys. It's it's truly an, an incredible story, and I guess it's one like I talked about how you know maybe Atlantic hockey doesn't get the same look at. The story of the Riley family, you know, you talk about in hockey, you talk about the Sutter brothers playing and the Stahl brothers and like there's all these family lineages on the ice. There's not many, at least to my recollection, Brian, I mean, you can probably correct me on this if I'm wrong, but there's not many family coaching lineages. I mean, like you said, like you said, it started with your grandpa Jack or your dad, Jack, excuse me, Brad's grandpa coaching back in army back in the days. And of course, the 1960 Olympics on the gold medal team. I mean, how, I mean, just, it's, it's a, I don't say the word dynasty, but there's only been three coaches for the last 60, over 60, 70 years of the army hockey program. What do you, I mean, what is it about this family that's just so good at coaching and able to do it for such a long period of time? Yeah. Like, you know, so we just had our thousandth win the other night against AIC as, as a family. But what I told people is not the wins to me, it's the 70 years, right? Like my dad came here to take this job for one year and he stayed for 36. Um, but again, for the kids, like just something that, that, that we've been around. Um, so growing up, um, this is what, and, and actually my brother, Jay, uh, he was an assistant at Cornell and Brown. Um, so, uh, my, my, my cousin, Billy, longtime coach at UMass Lowell. Um, his son is prep school coach at Groton. Yeah. It, it, it's just something that seems to be, um, in the genes. And I'll never forget when my dad retired after 36 years, uh, he said at his retirement dinner, um, I've never worked a day in my life. And I remember looking at my mom and saying, mom, you just spent 36 years coaching at West. But now I know what he was talking about. I, I mean, to be able to coach is not a job. I mean, it's really a passion. And, and I, I think I speak for all of the Rileys that have been involved with it. It's just, uh, it's a love. And, and um, we're all very, very grateful to, to have the opportunity to stay involved with the sport. You know, we all grew up playing it and, 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 and at some point that ends and this has allowed us to obviously stay involved and stay a part of that competition, which, uh, which you always love as a player and a coach. It's, it's incredible because, you know, you talk about the, the 70 years having it between your dad and your brother and now you coaching with the Black Knights. What makes army hockey so special because you look around i mean yeah you see your boston universities and your minnesota's north dakota's you know oh the big powers right but 
Army has a proud tradition within itself when it comes to playing hockey. What makes yeah, hockey yeah. at West Point so special? Well, Tyler, you, you know, um, when I when I grew up as a kid and my dad, he, he, he and his two brothers were great players at Dartmouth, and he was a player coach of the U.S. national team, and then he coached the 60 Olympic team. So as a kid growing up, I used to always say, like, why does dad stay at Army? Why doesn't he go to B.C. or B.U. or Northeastern? He was a Boston guy. Right. Now, having sat kind of where he sat, I know why he stayed. The opportunity to be around cadets on a daily basis makes my job the best and most humbling and rewarding job in all of college sports. As a coach, you help to shape and develop young men to be future leaders of our country who, when they leave here, are going to go out and lead this nation's sons and daughters in in much more important things than hockey. So I think that's a little bit what what sets coaching at a, a, a service academy and, and certainly for me coaching at West Point apart from uh, coaching at another place. Like West Point's a preeminent leader institution in the world and, and it's about developing leaders. Our rink is a leadership laboratory. Um, so I am so grateful and, and thankful for the opportunity to play a small role in helping to shape and develop uh, these young men to be future leaders. Yeah, you know, I we we actually had a kid because um, I'm I'm from West Michigan, and yeah. we we were excited because we had a kid coming out of of Granville that was going to go to West Point. I don't know if he was going to play hockey or not, but his yeah, name yeah. was Ryan Fisher, and everyone in around the area was so proud of him that he was going to go there. And then the 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 morning of the state championship game, I remember because I was playing here at Davenport, yeah. we were on the bus to the game and we found out about the news and my wife who was actually a, went to school with Ryan but a couple of years later and and but like beside that I mean you just knew how proud everyone was that he was going to West Point it's not yeah. just the fact that oh he may not have played hockey whatever but he was going to the big school out there yeah. yeah yeah I mean there's all these schools that are specialty schools but West Point you know for hundreds of years now it's still been the West yeah. I mean people look at the Army Navy football game obviously it's probably the the big one, if you will, in terms of athletics, but still going to that school, it means a lot to, I think, everyone around the country, especially there at the school. Yeah. You know what? I tell uh, kids when we're recruiting them, you know, they they, they probably talk to a lot of their buddies and say they're talking to army and their buddies are like, Oh, you're crazy. Like, why, why are you doing that? But yet I tell them, talk to adults. And, and usually the response from an adult would be, wow, what a great opportunity. And so, um, West Point, special place for special people. And it's, uh, it's amazing. Like, like our guys will come here and their most important day, like, like Mason Kruger had a hat trick on Friday night against LIU. Yep. You know what his most important day, his most important day is going to be his last day here at West Point. When he walks up that ramp and he salutes the president or the vice president of the United States, and they give him his diploma from West Point, you know, uh, as a coach, even right now, I get goosebumps saying that. Uh, but but that's that's what it's all about. It, it it's just an amazing place. But these young men and women, these cadets here, um, are are to me uh, the most special young people that we have uh, in our country. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, truly it's incredible because I've known. I mean, my my grandfather, my great grandfather, both in the Marines. I had you know 
teachers in high school that were top of their class over in San Diego and Marines. And so there, I, I know, I'd, I'd like to yeah. think I know quite a few people in the, in the military service, but now let's move to this past weekend, army yep. versus LIU. This was going to, this was actually supposed to be the opening weekend, but unfortunately COVID got in the way, like COVID's got in the way of almost everything in this world today. Yeah. But you get, went up against Brett Riley and everyone was looking forward to it because I'm trying, I honestly can't recall NHL college hockey. I mean, did you ever go against Rob when you were coaching or did Rob ever uh, go up against his dad? Well, yeah. Like I went up against my dad as an assistant coach when I was at Plattsburgh. Yep. Okay. Um, you know what? Uh, we like my brother Jay played at Harvard, my brother Rob at BC, Mark at BC. I played at Brown. We all played against my dad. Um, and now I just got through six years of coaching against my two sons at Mercyhurst. So right, right. Just when I thought, just when I thought it was over, um, now I got to look down the bench and, and and see Brett down there. So um, it's something that uh, it seems to have been happening a lot lately for me to go up against family, whether it be as their as their players or now as Brett um, as a coach, but. Uh, obviously very proud. Like when, when I looked down and saw him down there uh, on Friday night, it was pretty neat because I know how proud his mom and dad were and, and also uh, how proud that my mom and dad, his grandparents would, uh, would be. So it was pretty neat. Do Cause I know some coaches and some of my old coaches, they were always yeah. stick to their team. Don't look at anything else. You know, they got the horse blinders on. They'll only look over the bench to see who was coming on the ice. Did, yeah, yeah. I mean, were you, are you always that kind of coach or did you have to kind of look and just see, all right, is Brett, has he got his tie on right? You know, is, is he looking well, good for the job? Yeah, I looked down at him, um, uh, obviously at the start on Friday. That, then when the puck drops, the game's kind of going. I heard him yelling a couple times. Um, he probably heard me yelling too. So, but, uh, but yeah, you know what? Uh, just really proud of him. He's done a, he's done a great job and, and, and he will continue to do a great job. How do you, I mean, cause you, you split the weekend with long Island yeah. and a couple yeah. of really good games. Like you said, Mason Kruger, Friday night, yeah. overtime loss, unfortunately for you guys on Saturday night, two yeah. really good hockey games. What is your impression of long Island? I was intrigued by them. Like I said, because this is a program that was built literally yeah. felt like five seconds, but they're able to go out there and they're competing against some pretty good hockey clubs. how do you think the yeah. Riley Brett's team played? Well, you know what? Look at them. I mean, in our league now, they split on the road with uh, RIT, Holy Cross, and Army. Um, what people don't, I think they fail to realize, is that it's not your typical first-year program. It's not all freshmen. Um, you, you know what? I mean, he's got seniors. Um, these are a lot of, uh, you know, D1 college hockey players players from other programs that were just looking for an opportunity. Maybe it didn't work out. So, so they're hungry and you put that with uh, some good young freshmen that he's brought in, um, you know, that, that, that's what makes them and will continue to make them competitive uh, every night. So um, again, knowing Brett, how I know him, like uh, I knew that, that he was going to put a good team together. So, I'm not surprised that they've had success. I just wish they didn't do it at our expense on Saturday. Right. Well, well you should just do what my uncle did. Just yell down at the other end of the bench. Like, Hey, 
if you don't let us get ahead now, I'm going to come down there and let yeah. you know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how it would have been if my coach gets like my uncle Jim, my uncle Mark yeah. or something like that. But I mean, Brian, let's, let's get back to your team here. Obviously a lot of time yeah. left here in the Atlantic hockey. Yeah. I mean, you have, you're going up against teams like AIC and, Robert Morris is looking really good this year as well. What are your expectations for the Black Knights as this season kind of carries along? Yeah, so uh, we lost a lot of guys from last year, like like up front. So we we knew that we were going to be replacing them. um, And it was going to take a little time. And the way the season's gone, kind of stop and start and stop and start. It's hard to gain traction. So I'm hoping the fact that the games with AIC, the games with LIU, that will give us a little traction as we get ready to play, I don't know, 13 or 15 games in under 50 days. So, uh, and every year is a new team. So I team identity. We've talked about that, trying to figure out who we are. I still think we're trying to figure that out a little bit, but um, hopefully as these games continue, uh, we will be in a situation where we will be playing our best hockey coming down the stretch because that's the most important time of the year. Well, you better tell Brett that because you end the regular season playing against LIU on the 26th and 27th of February. We'll all be tuning in for those games because it's always fun. Yeah. It's always fun, like, you know, in the NHL, you got, you know, the Kachuk brothers playing against each other, like I said, the Stahl brothers. Yeah. It's better. It's almost, you know, kind of interesting when you have two coaches that are fan members going up against each other because it's almost like, you know, you know how Brett is and Brett knows how you work. And it's almost like, hey, I know what's, you know, I know it. Do you know, like, does that kind of ever come across your mind? Like, you think you know what he's thinking and he thinks you know what he's thinking uh-huh. and back and forth? Yeah, you, you know what? Um, I, I think what happens, you, you, you get so focused on your own team that, like, I didn't spend a lot of time um, thinking, all right, you know, what's Brett going to be doing in this situation? Uh, it was more, all right, if they are doing something, what can we do uh, as a team from a strategic standpoint, right, to try to counter? Uh, because uh, he and his staff have done a good job. Um, they're very, very, very well coached. So uh, it's not like you can just go out there and think, all right, this is a first-year program. It's going to be easy. And uh, that's a credit to Brett and his staff for the job that they've done so far. Yeah, it'll definitely be, it'll be we'll, we'll be watching them for sure. We'll be watching Army. We'll be watching all hockey here on the Kuehl Show. We have been talking with the head coach, 17 seasons now for Brian Riley and the Black Knights. Coach, thank you for taking the time today. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll talk to you soon. Tyler, thanks for having me, and, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again at some point. You have a great day. You as well, Brian. You as well.
Once again, a huge thank you to Coach Riley for sitting down and taking the time. I mean, we talked a little bit before and after the interview with Brian, and he, he's such, you could tell just just looking back on those days, you know, growing up with his dad and his brother and even coaching with his brother, it just brings back a lot of memories for him. But now let's go to another man who was able to go to work with his dad at West Point. Brett Riley was actually the assistant coach last year for the Colgate Raiders under Don Vaughn and learned a lot. But this is not his first rodeo starting up a new program. If you guys remember, a couple of years back, he coached Wilkes University in their first year, helping build that Division Three program. So this is not his first time going around trying to recruit a new team. Now, given the circumstances, it's a little bit tough. But he was able to do it and able to create a competitive hockey team that everyone now has to keep their eyes on. And this is something for him because it's so special going back to West Point and coaching against the team that his dad, his uncle, and his grandfather coached against. So now let's go to that interview with the head coach of the Sharks, Brett Riley. Brett, this has been, it's an interesting weekend because usually when we talk about, you know, matchups between family members and hockey, we talk about like Matthew versus Brady Kachuk or, you know, Matthew Kachuk, or you talk about, you know, the Sutter brothers back in the day, you know, we talk about guys on the ice going up against it. This weekend, though, you went up against Army West Point and going up against behind the bench, your Uncle Brian. Now, the games itself were, I mean, everyone was talking about how exciting the matchup was going to be between, you know, you and Brian. But the on-ice portion of it was just as exciting. Army, you know, got the win first night. Kruger gets the hat trick for the Black Knights. The next night, though, you guys pull out the win. Jordan DeSico, two goals in that one there. I mean, that must have been awesome to get a split against the Black Knights, right? It, it was, I mean, anytime you can get a split on the road, um, is a great thing, uh, especially for us in our early phases here, um, to do it against such a strong support, uh, opponent in two great games, um, was a really good feeling for us. How do I mean, how do you think this, the season's gone so far? I know it's only been a handful of games for you guys. And, you know, with, with coronavirus, it's been making it interesting for everybody across the college hockey landscape having, you know, postpone games, move games around, because this was supposed to be the opening weekend matchup for you guys against Army. How have you been able to deal with that as a first-year coach of a first-year program, just trying to make sure your team can get on the ice and play? I, I think it almost plays into our favor. Our guys don't know any better. Um, you look at a place like West Point where I think cadets are used to routine and structure, um, you know, in other places having solidified Friday, Saturday night schedules or, you know, road routines. We're kind of making our own here, which is, you know, we'll play anytime, anywhere. And when we practice, we feel fortunate to just be at the rink. So it's been, you know, obviously all about adaptability and, and being flexible. And uh, through eight games, you know, we've had, you know, adversity, bumps, hiccups, uh, roadblocks. But uh, looking back now, we cannot complain. Uh, we are super ecstatic with the way things have gone here in year one in our early phases of the build here. You know, we, we talked about the last, the first time you came on, Brett, talking about your family lineage with coaching, because it is a great story, because there's not many families like it. You know, you, like you say, you talk about the stalls and so many of those families that have guys that have played in the NHL or played college hockey for one team. You guys have, you're, the Rileys have had this thing about wearing the suit and tie and behind the bench and coaching. And you guys have been successful throughout. Of course, your grandpa, Jack, was the famous head coach for the 1960 U.S. team. Your dad coached for many years. Now your uncle is over there at West Point. It's, it's just been this continuous you know, display. And, of course, you have other family members that are also coaching at the Division I level. You were at Wilkes University, then Colgate, now with Long Island. 
Is it something in the water that they feed Jazz Rallies to make you guys great coaches? I mean, what has it been to just develop into, you know, just almost a natural coach? Yeah, it must be the dinner table when you sit around and you talk hockey 24-7. You know, for myself growing up, walking into uh, the Hollander Center and Tate Rank at West Point every day, you know, following my dad, I didn't know what I was signing up for. Um, You know, I think my cousins would echo that sentiment that, um, when you see it, when you feel it, when you're around, you know, such great people like the cadets um, and a lot of great people in the game of hockey, it becomes contagious. And I don't really think uh, we were given too much of a choice. And looking back, I don't think we'd want it or have it any other way. So yeah, this weekend, because I was really excited for the opening weekend because for Long Island's first games to be against the Black Knights, that would have been great. But still the fact that you're going to be going up against your Uncle Brian. And when we spoke to him before bringing you on here, I asked him, I was like, you know, what was it like coaching against your nephew? Cause you know, you watched him grow up and, you know, seeing him now at the division one level, what that was like. And he gave his piece. What was it like, you know, just realizing that you were going to go up against a family member, not just, you know, an assistant coach and a coach or a player coach, head coach against head coach. What was that like for you? Um, it, 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 first and foremost, it was just neat to go back to a place that I spent so many fond years and memories like I told our team after our second night, the last time I think I was in that locker room, I was tying skates for a summer hockey camp as a 13 or 14 year old. So um, there was a lot of really cool feelings of nostalgia, but um, I don't think it fully hits you until you actually get on the bench and you look across, you know, and there was uh, my uncle Brian in, in the army team. Um, it's a pretty exciting buildup. And then when you're actually behind the bench. Um, there's a little bit of a weird feeling to it. Um, where I spent so many years rooting for Army and being a passionate Army supporter with the job that my grandpa, dad, and now Uncle Brian has done. So um, a little bit of a weird feeling trying to you know take down a team um, that I am so fond and supportive of. Was it was it weird at first? Because Brian said he looked over at you before the puck dropped in that first game and looked and saw. I'm like, wow, this is kind of weird. Did you have that? Did you ever lock eyes with your uncle looking at the other bench, you know, trying to see what he was doing? Or were you just focused on your team? Yeah, at yeah. I, I won't kid you. It was, it was strange. And, and that uh, part, like I, like I said, the last time I'd gone through that entrance or been in that locker room or stood on that side of the bench was probably summer hockey camps. Um, now I'm back, you know, coaching at a rink that I was fortunate to spend so many great years in and then be it, you know, the added bonus, there's no fans. So, um, it makes for an even more unique experience, but, you know, I think once the puck drop and the game got underway, it's, you know, a hockey game where he's extremely competitive and wants to win and I'm extremely competitive, you know, and we got that, you know, from, uh, you know, Brian's dad, Jack, and my dad, Rob, and I guess it just runs in the family, you know, that competitive nature. Because he, he told me he after the puck drop, he said he only heard you after that. He only heard you yelling. He didn't, he didn't see you after that. But was it, you know, was it was it weird beating your Uncle Brian? Did you, did you guys speak at all? Were you guys, did you guys get anywhere? I, I don't know, with COVID. Yeah, I, he, he had came over just to make sure everything was all right. Um, they were super gracious hosts to us. Um, I was just appreciative anytime you could pick up games. You know, they had lost Air Force. We had lost Air Force in Niagara. So, um, you know, regardless of family, I was just appreciative of the support, you know, to have someone for our guys to play. Um, he had come over, um, you know, I, I took a picture with him after the first night. Um, you know, we spoke on the phone after the second night. So, um, you know, once the hockey games are over too, um, you're family. So I think 
there are a lot of you know cool stories within the story, but um, at the end of the day, I'm just appreciative to have those hockey games. It's gonna be weird, you know, for the next if next time you guys have a summer vacation, you're gonna have your dad go. They're like, hey, there, my son beat you there right there, brother Brian. How'd that go over? But. I mean, it, it was great hockey, too, and, and that's one of the things that's so exciting about, I mean, we talked with Brian about the history of Army hockey and how his team's doing this year. Long Island, you know, at first, a lot of people were skeptical. This team's going to be built in less than half a year. How is it going to be done? First-year coach, is it going to work out? And when we talked with you back in July, we could tell right away, I'm like, man, this guy is driven. He's going to get this team ready to go for game one, and that's how it's been this season. How have you seen your team play over the first eight games, you know, just kind of getting everyone together, trying to quickly get this team ready to go and be a competitive team on the ice. Yeah, I think we're fueled by the skepticism and the, and the doubt. Um, you know, our decor played a combined zero games last year at the collegiate level. Um, you know, all but two uh, or now three forwards are freshmen. Um, you know, so... I think we have a something to prove mentality that we talk about. Uh, it's so far we've split three of our series on the road and uh, lost two tight games to a really good AIC team. So we're thrilled with the results. Uh, we have not, we've trained our guys not to settle and kind of demand more, but uh, you know, to be where we are right now, we're really, really fortunate to have played games, to have done well in those games. Um, and we're driven to keep doing more. I think, what I'm most pleased with is, you know, early in the year, we were driven by our transfers or older guys had come and given us that added maturity. You know, Zach Ross, Kristen Radjic, Mitch Meek, guys with experience. And you look at our last game versus Army, and it was, you know, some freshmen that have put in a lot of time um, to see them get rewarded and adjust to this level um, has made me super proud uh, as their coach. Yeah, because that's probably one of the you know best things about it. It's not like just one guy leading the team. Yeah, Christian Rajitz, former UAH player, he's leading the scoring right now, at least at the moment. But you have guys, like you said, Jordan DeSico this past weekend having a big weekend. Walsh coming through. You have a, you know, you had a great game out of Papura in net for the for Long Island getting the win. But you also have Garrett Metcalf providing some veteran experience as well. So this is a very diverse group. And that's what Brian mentioned as well. Like this is not just a bunch of freshmen jumping onto the ice for the first time at Division One level. This is a good mix of players. And Brett, you know, this is a program. If you get the right core involved and get the right mentality, this is a program that can really continue to build. For sure. I think, you know, you talk about, you know, Mitch Meek and Matt Harris and even Nolan McElhinney are three um, of uh, our upperclassmen that did not play a game last year. Um, so for them, now they're playing 20, 25 minutes a night, um, which is you know one of the reasons they came to us. I think um, they have that something to prove mentality and they have helped lead us. Um, and I think the underlying theme of guys like that, you know, Zach Bross, Christian Radjic, our older guys that came to us, Garrett Metcalf, um, is the character piece. They are, you know, proven to build or driven to build this program. Um, you know, and I can't say enough about what they've done in terms of give a young team a little bit of uh, older presence and maturity. Um, and our young guys have absorbed the information like a sponge. And now I think uh, they're seeing the payoff um, in some ways here. Yeah, and this and despite Atlantic hockey, you know, I that's one thing. Another thing I mentioned with Brian is the fact that Atlantic hockey. Yes, people say, "Oh, it's not the NCHC, it's not the Big Ten. You guys seen it firsthand, and you know, you played in that area, playing, you know, coaching Colgate, kind of being around Atlantic hockey. Atlantic hockey is not a slouch conference. I mean, look at Robert Morris. You talked about playing against AIC. You guys have a tough schedule still, despite you know the rest of the way, and 
despite Atlanta Cocky almost as an afterthought. It's a really good conference, Brett. It, it is. Uh, first and foremost, we're fortunate to have these games. I'm appreciative to the buddy. Uh, but the teams are really good. I mean, that series with Army was really competitive, high-end hockey. You know, we played AIC the series before, and um, I would put them up against almost anyone here. So uh, every team we've played, we've been impressed with. They play hard. They play the right way. And um, that's been a good message for our guys. You know, we want to be a team known for competing. We want to be known, uh, a team known for playing the right way, uh, limited chirping, limited dirty play uh, to none. And, you know, take pride in doing things the right way. And, um, it's been good. All eight games we played have been competitive. They've been hard-nosed, um, you know, limited nonsense after the whistle. And so it's been a great transition to Division One hockey for our young group. Um, and I think these games will have prepared us well should we play at a conference or, you know, play anyone else. I think the Atlantic is as good as it's ever been uh, with great coaching and teams only getting better and better. Yeah, it makes it dangerous for all the teams up there in the Northeast right now. And, of course, you actually face Army one more time to end the regular season, so we'll be looking forward to that matchup at the end of February. I mean, any tips Brian gave you? To, did, did that? I guess that's one thing I forgot to ask Brian. Were there any tips on saying, all right, here's how you should you know, try to help your team out? Because obviously you want to beat each other, but it's like it's kind of, is it, was it more or less in a learning experience coaching against your uncle? I mean, like I said, you grew up with him, grew up around Tate Arena there. Was it, you know, kind of like you knew how he was going to coach, coaching with Army, or did you kind of just play your own game? Um, a little bit in between. I don't think there's any tips or secrets, you know, with the Army hockey team. They play hard. They play the right way. They have a commitment um, to doing things, uh, you know, 100% all the time. And, you know, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, hopefully. Just that's how we wanted our team. That's how we want our team to play. We want to block shots. We want to be physical. We want to have great uh, second and third efforts. So I, I don't think there's a you know a book of tricks per se. I think it was two coaches motivating their teams, uh, you know, to win some hockey games. And so I think our, our guys, looking back at the series, you know, thought that Army was as hard nosed and gritty as anyone we've seen this year. And it's going to be fun when you guys play in February. We have been speaking with the head coach of the Long Island Sharks, Brett Riley. Brett, thank you for so much for taking the time once again to join us here on the Kula Show. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll catch you on down the road. Thanks so much, Tyler. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much once again to Brett Riley and to Brian Riley as well. Two great coaches, one obviously a little more experienced than the other, but one really one to keep an eye on, folks, for all the folks around the Division One level of college hockey. It was great to just talk to them and just pick their brains a little bit about what was it like, you know, growing up in this family that just breeds coaches, it seems like. It's going to be exciting to see maybe some more coaches come out of this family in the future. We'll just have to wait and see. Remember, this is not the last time, though, these two guys will meet behind the benches because they play Army and Long Island, play on the February 27th and 28th to end their regular season. So if those two games are anything like what we saw last weekend, they will be just as exciting. So be sure to stay tuned for those. Thank you all once again for watching this special episode of The Cule Show. We'll be back Monday with our normal show, 6 to 8.30 on 12 Ounce Sports. However, I thank you all for tuning in for this very special episode of an incredibly unique story, Riley vs. Riley. It was fun to watch. It was fun to talk to the gentlemen that were a part of it. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on The Cule Show. <laughs>